This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Hey everybody, so today on Entrepreneurs Get Visible, we are talking about the energy that you need to have and connect with in order to build a platform as a visionary and what that really means and entails. And I'm joined today by Simon Alexander-Ong, who Simon has really just kind of catapulted himself into some amazing places as an international keynote speaker and an award-winning coach. I've recently seen him on Sky News and BBC, and he's been in Forbes recently and has given keynotes at some, frankly, incredible corporate places such as Virgin and Barclays and Microsoft. And what's really exciting is that Simon has now been given the go-ahead and the green light for a deal with Penguin Random House for his first book. And what, without giving too much away about that book, Simon, we are going to dive into some of the concepts that really matter to you. So welcome to the show and thank you for giving us your time today. Thank you, Anna, for having me. First of all, what does it mean to be a visionary? What does that entail for you? For me, fundamentally, being a visionary is having a future that is so exciting, so compelling, so magnetic that you are almost pulled towards it effortlessly. You know, so many of us are living out of our past. We're dwelling in the past because we don't have an exciting enough future to want to work towards. And I realized the importance of that when I started to reflect on everything around me from the products and services we use to the clothes we wear to the hotels we stay in when we travel. It's that everything begins in the seed of our imagination. We have to see it in the mind before we can create it in reality. There's a saying where people go, I'll believe it when I see it. But for me, if you are a visionary, it is less about I'll believe it when I see it and more I will see it when I believe it. And I, when I see it first in my own imagination, it becomes possible. Mm-hmm. If you trust yourself over and over and over again. I said to this to you off air that... I think being a visionary is very different to being an entrepreneur and a business Mm. owner. Now, there are many entrepreneurs who are visionary, but there are equally some that word visionary doesn't speak to them. Mm. What's the difference? Well, entrepreneurship, if you will, entrepreneur is what what I consider a channel. Now, entrepreneurship is just one of many channels. A vision, if you will, is something that you're striving to achieve that you may or may not get to in your lifetime. Now, another route to get there could be working yourself up an organization, creating a powerful team that believes in what you believe, that believes in the vision that you're trying to create. And uh, that can become your channel. Another channel could be the fact you may be a writer. And the way that you achieve your vision is by writing articles and writing prose or poems or whatever it is to help further the cause for your vision. So entrepreneurship for me is just one of many channels. It may not suit everyone. You know, we all have different strengths, uh, weaknesses and preferences. And so we've got to understand first, what is the vision that we are working to turn and translate into reality? And what is the best way for us to achieve that? And one of the core concepts that you come back to in your work is about Mm. the energy that you bring and the energy that you tap into. So talk to us a little bit about that. Definitely. For me, Anna, energy is literally everything. I often get asked when I come off stages when I speak, Simon, you're full of energy. How do you 
get all this energy to do all the things that you do, but to speak for hours on end when you're on stage. And I simply say, when you wake up in the morning to the smell of possibilities, when each day excites you, when you have a vision that pulls you forward, you can't help but be excited. You can't help but be energized. You know, we all have a limited amount of energy each day. And what's very important about that fact is how are you going to manage your energy? Too many of us have lots of energy leakages, whether that is an environment that drains your energy, a workplace that drains your energy, work that drains your energy. But when you stop and reflect and think, how can I eliminate or do less of the things that are draining my energy and more of the things that will energize me, that will lift my mood? Then that becomes a game-changing activity because one, when you know what brings you most joy and you focus on that, you begin to unlock your greatest source of energy. You know, you may be tired, you may be exhausted, but if you live with purpose, if you know what is it exactly you are striving to achieve, you suddenly find those reserves of energy that you may not have found before. For you then, being a visionary, do you think that is about deciding that you want to change your pockets of the world? Is that what it's about? Or is it much more that you as a personal individual are creating what's in your head? Mm. For me, it begins with us. You know, And I often say that you can't truly lead others until you're powerfully leading yourself first. A visionary is anyone who is actively making steps to create a better future. Now, that future can simply be a better future for yourself. It can be a better future for your family. It can be a better future for your organization, your community. Now, that is a definition that you've got to work out for yourself. It's like success. You know, you've got to work out what the success means to you because there is no one definition. The problem many of us face is that we adopt the definition of success. We adopt the definition of fulfillment uh, from other people, whether those people are parents, friends, society, uh, schools. We tend to adopt other people's definitions, and that is a race you cannot win. When you adopt your own definition, you take the time to sit back and think, what is my personal vision? What is my mission in life? What is my purpose for the work I do? What does success mean to me? Then you have crafted the first step to achieving a life that would bring you happiness and joy. So I'm curious as to what yours is. For me, it's about one, happiness. Second, impact. And third, legacy. And what I've discovered when I was doing my own self-reflection on my own definition, Anna, is that money rarely comes into it. You know, if you uh, interview some of the most successful people in the world, money rarely comes into a personal mission, uh, vision, or purpose statement. And that is because money is simply an echo of value. The more value that you bring into the world for the work that you do, well, money will hunt you down. Money will chase you down because money rewards the value that you bring into the world. It's very true. But for many of my listeners, Simon, they're at the start of their journey and perhaps feel that they can't go over after their big vision. They can't go after their big thing that they want to do because mm. they're lacking in funds. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, it's to understand why that vision is important to you. When we begin any new year, it is easy for people to have a vision for the year. You, you know, By the end of this year, I want to do X, Y, Z. I want to be healthier. I want to be richer. I want to start a new job. I want to finally start that idea. But how many people actually follow through on many of the things that they say they are going to do in January? 
The reason is, is because they're all shirts, they're all wishes. They're not really things that they're committed to and mm -hmm. understanding of why that is important. You know, there's a saying that goes, the greater the why, the easier the how. When you know deep down at an emotional level, why achieving those things is important to you, like really important to you, then your mind will get creative. Your mind will move to how am I going to do this? And that is a beautiful place to be because when your mind starts thinking, how am I going to do this? It is now moving into an action-oriented place. When you're not at the how am I going to do this, you're still in what I would call an indecision phase. You haven't decided whether you are actually going to move forward. And the path can only ever emerge when you have made a decision. If you haven't decided, no path can emerge. That's absolutely true. And, and when you've made that firm commitment to yourself and potentially to the outside world, maybe there's some accountability, great things can happen very quickly. Mm. You can own that part of the journey. You're not saying, well, maybe one day you're saying this is happening. I've just got to find out the best way. Mm. So let's talk about the energy side of this then, Simon. What does that mean for you? For me personally, energy is literally the thing that will help us move forward. You know, you might have, let's say, one hour in your day to do a task. But if you go into that one hour with no energy, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're feeling low, I guarantee that the output of that one hour is not going to be the same as if you went into that same hour energized, motivated, optimistic, and positive. What you get out of that one hour is going to be far different in scale so when you go in as the former and so for me at a basic level managing your energy begins in how you manage your day to live with intention you know designing your life begins with designing your day and this is where it begins so for me every morning i have what i would call an a non-negotiables mm -hmm. my non-negotiables include gym working out moving my body for me that is the easiest way that we can start to elevate our energy Second is gratitude, reflecting on what you can be most grateful for in this moment. Even in the worst of times, there is always something to be grateful for. And personally, what I've discovered moving from an employee to entrepreneur over the last decade is that a grateful heart is a magnet for treasures, but an ungrateful heart is a magnet for toxicity. And there's a great experiment that psychologist Martin Seligman shared. And I saw a YouTube video of a couple of videographers that decided to put this experiment to the test to see how, how it would work and just for a bit of fun. And the test went something along these lines. They brought into a room a sample of people and they asked them at the beginning what their level of happiness was. And they determined that by a series of questions. So they got them to answer a few questions and that would determine which of the people in the group were the happiest, which in the, in the group were the least happiest. And the experiment consisted of three steps. And if you're listening now, maybe you want to join along and try these three steps as well. The first step was to write down the name of a person that you can be really grateful for right now. It could be anyone from your partner to a loved one, to a close friend, to a family member. But write down the name of someone that you can be truly grateful for right now. The second step was to write down in as much detail as you can why you chose that person. Why can you be grateful for this person? 
So when you write this down in as much detail as you can, it is covering things such as what has this person done for you? How has this person helped you? How has this person made your life better? What would your life be if you didn't have this person in your life? Step three was the most powerful step. Step three was once you've done steps one and two, is to pick up the phone, call that person, and read out exactly what you wrote in step two. Powerful. And what they discovered in this experiment was by measuring how happy people were when they entered the room, they found that everyone became happier when they asked them questions at the end of the experiment to measure again their level of happiness and joy. But the biggest difference was that the least happiest person that entered the room had the biggest jump in terms of their level of happiness. And that, for me, is the essence of energy, is that we can elevate our energy through certain activities by embracing certain habits. And by doing so, we are able to show up as more of our true selves. Now, Simon. You've talked about getting out of bed with a lot of energy. And I know you've recently had a baby. So nine <laughs> months into that parenting journey, has anything shifted for you? Have there been days where you've had less of that energy that you absolutely exude and bring to the table? Mm. Have there been days that have been more challenging for you? Certainly, certainly. I mean, when you have a child, one of the first things that change is your routine even for the best of us who have a very good routine and we've stuck to it for years, as soon as you have a new addition to the family, well, you've got to learn to adapt. And that's what I've had to do a lot of since our first child was born. But in a way, Anna, it, it has made me more productive. You know, when you've got a whole day with a couple of tasks to get done, it is very easy to procrastinate, to put things off. But when you know you've only got a couple of hours before the baby wakes up again, well, <laughs> you know, it's either now or not. You're either going to get it done in these few hours or you're going to have to do it tomorrow. So suddenly you have this focus because you have, in a way, a deadline to get a task done. So in that respect, it certainly made me more productive. I've had to really focus in. Yeah, before Anna, I would say there's five or seven things that I'm looking to follow through and get done today. Now with a lot less time on my hands, I've had to focus down and say, if I could just get one thing done today and I would feel I've had a productive day, what would that one thing be? And in a way, it's taught me to really prioritize things. Rather than think everything's important, it's made me reflect on if there is only one thing I could do, what is that most important thing? And the second thing, which I'm sure any parent listening in on this episode will relate to, is your sleep habits will change. <laughs> because now you are not in control of your sleep habits. You know, when the baby wakes and cries, you have to get up to reassure the baby and tend to it. But it has also taught me and reminded me, Anna, the importance of sleep and the role that it has for our personal energy. You know, when the baby gets sufficient rest, when the baby gets enough sleep, the world is okay. The world <laughs> is great. Uh, but when the baby doesn't, it feels like your world is about to end. And that is the same thing with us as adults. When we get enough sleep, we come and start the day with a good level of energy. We feel focused. We have clarity. But when you have little sleep, your mood is going to be low. You're going to be easily agitated. And you're not going to be a great person to be around. 
it's interesting because I've left behind those baby years. My youngest is now nearly, nearly 11, but everything that I've ever done, I've done in those short pockets of time when they slept, when they were at nursery, when they were at preschool. And people used to say to me, how on earth are you doing all of that you're doing and you've got the kids at home? And I always used to say, but it's the thing that I'm focusing on, the thing that has meaning and purpose for me mm. is what gives me more energy. That's what gets me through the sleepless night. That's what gets me through tea time. Are you a big fan of time blocking then, Simon, in order to, to help you step into the vision that you're creating? Definitely. I think time blocking is a very underappreciated tool in the armor of productivity. I'm not the sort of person that will you know, wake up in the morning and think, okay, I'm going to write a to-do list for the day and these are all the things I want to do. Now, I do it to some degree, but I do it in a different way. So for me, the most productive day begins first if you've had sufficient sleep and rest. Second, the most productive day begins the night before. And what I mean by that is the night before what I do is I start to time block in my calendar the next day. So rather than just have a list of to-dos, I've actually scheduled things in my calendar. Now, why do I do that? Well, if you work in a company, if you work for someone, what tends to happen is when there's meetings that you have to attend, guess what happens? They send you a calendar invite, it goes in your diary, and you don't miss that meeting, right? And you plan around those meetings. But when you have not time blocked an activity in your diary, then, well, there's no focus. You don't know when you're going to do it in your day. It's if I have time, I'll do it. But unless you schedule it, it is not real. It is unlikely to happen if it's not scheduled in your calendar. So treat your activities, treat your most important tasks as if it's a meeting. And then what you would do is you will find yourself dedicating the same importance to that as you would if you had a meeting just slotted into your calendar. It's so true. And in fact, as we go into next year, go into 2021, <laughs> I know that I'm prioritizing things differently. And we've I've already mm. mapped out bits of my diary that are my time, my mm. time for planning, my time for creating the vision. Because if you don't do that, you get caught on this treadmill of just being busy and then mm. you don't really move forward. So for the, the people that you work with then, because I know you do a lot of a lot of intimate coaching with people mm. who are ambitious. Mm. But that, that ambition comes from a deeper place. Yeah. What do you see are the biggest hurdles that they encounter? There's a few things in common. And again, everyone is different. But the, the few I've noticed is one, self-belief. Two is confidence. And three is distraction. Mm. And uh, what I mean by self-belief is when you get to a certain level of success, I've noticed that we tend to get more insecure. So let, let's take the analogy of rising for a company. When you first start as a graduate or when you start at the bottom of any company, life is fairly easy. I mean, you are one of maybe lots of people, hundreds or sometimes thousands if you're part of a multinational company. But the higher you rise up a company, it is harder to hide. You know, you're going to get more and more seen. So once you rise up to, let's say, the C-suite level and you are the chief operating officer or the chief financial officer. Well, guess what? When something goes wrong, it's not like when you were the bottom of the ladder, you can hide. You know, now you're naked. You're out in the open. And if anything goes wrong, you're the first to be called into the office. And so what I found is the higher people get on their ladder of success, the more insecure they can get. They can start questioning themselves a lot. And that self-belief can start to crumble. And it's simply reminding people it's simply reminding people just how powerful they are 
and reminding them the challenges they have overcome, just how far they've got to where they are today. Because so often in life, we can be so attached, so focused to where it is we want to be, that we often forget to stop and reflect on just how far we have come to recognize those small wins, to recognize those challenges we have overcome, to recognize those lessons that we have learned. And the second is to do with confidence. And confidence for me is about trusting yourself. Confidence isn't saying that you have overcome fear. Confidence isn't saying you don't deal with fear. Confidence is simply saying that you have the courage to move forward despite the fear. You have the courage to show up. You have the courage to do what most won't because you know eventually you will be able to enjoy what most can't. Mm. So that's the element of confidence. And the last is distraction. You know, similar to what I said about self-belief being questioned, the more successful you are, it's the same with distraction. The more successful you become, the more distraction you are going to have. Again, when you first start and you're a nobody, then you're not really going to have much demands on your time. But as you start to get more recognized, as you start to have more influence, as you start to be more in demand, then guess what? Suddenly your email inbox, your request starts ballooning. And that's why it becomes more and more important to understand how to create boundaries in your life and work. Because unless you have boundaries, you will never experience true freedom. It is understanding how to say no more often, in a polite way, of course, but how to say no more often in order to protect your time to focus on what is most important. Simon, you speak so eloquently about all of this, and it makes me curious as to why, why this is the path you're leading. Where did you come from? What was your pivotal moment? There's usually one or two moments that people say, that's what changed for me. What was it for you? Definitely. So it might be worth going back a little bit and uh, sharing how the journey began. You know, I haven't been doing this all my life. I started my career in the world of finance. I graduated from the LSE in 2007. I decided that I'm going to embark on the career in finance, which probably, Anna, wasn't the best choice at the time because in 2008, a year after I joined, we had the global financial crisis. And just to make matters worse, the first company I decided to join was Lehman Brothers, which went bankrupt in September 2008. So even though that experience, and I was in and out of jobs for a number of years after that, but even though that experience was tough and uh, it, it wasn't easy, in hindsight, it was a real blessing. One of the lessons I've learned is that in your hardest times, in your darkest moments in life, uh, those are the very experiences that will equip you with the wisdom to create the best times of your life. And so that was one of many catalysts, if you will, that began the process of my thinking, the first thought I had was, well, as long as I'm working for someone, I don't really have real control over my destiny because my progress, my salary is very much dependent on people's views of me, paid grades above me. Mm. And so that started me thinking by reflecting, well, what is my definition of success? As we started the uh, session speaking about, and up until this point, and I hadn't really answered what can sound like a very simple question. You know, up until this point, life was very linear and I had adopted the definition of success that society had given me. My parents had some influence over that. So when I was deciding what university to go for, I based it on the fact that my definition of success at the time was if I graduated doing a career in being a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant or banker, then I'm successful. And so that definition very much dictated the decisions I made at the time. And I realized that if I was going to change 
things and start living a better story. I had to make very different decisions and start from base one, which was know what success meant to me, know what is most important. And then the challenge was to build my life, to have the courage to build my life around those answers. Make that the foundation. And it started really small. And, you know, I realized that if I focus too much on the end, if I focus too much on the big vision, it can be overwhelming. You know, it's like signing up for a marathon. If you focus too much on the marathon itself, you can get scared to actually run the thing. But if you go, okay, I signed up to the marathon, I'm going to put the thought of the marathon to one side and focus on the tiny, tiny steps that will help me fin- cross that finish line. So it can be, okay, the tiny steps are going to be, I've got to think about my training, my nutrition, my habits, all of these different areas mapped out. And when you take the tiniest first step, it could even be as simple as start eating an apple a day. You, you know, that's how these things start. But you're proving to yourself that you are now on the path to creating a new identity. And when people look a year ahead, don't focus on the end of the year where you're going to be. Focus on today because no one knows where we're going to be a year from now, let alone even next week, given the way the world is right now. I think think this year's proven that. And what you're talking about there is something that, uh, there's two books I'm going to mention. I'm sure you've come across them. One is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, Uh where it doesn't matter how big your goal is, you break it down into Mm. tiny, repeatable actions. And when you do that, actually, that goal for a year, for 10 years, three years, isn't that far away because mm. you're just putting into place um, habits and actions. And the other one is Atomic Habits by, mm. I think it's James Clear. She's really yeah, good. James I read it in the summer. Great book. One of my favorite books. And I remember there was a lesson I took from that book. And it's related a lot to what I just said. And it simply says, in life, you may not always get your goals, but you will always get your habits. Mm-hmm. And for me, that shows the power of what you do day in and day out. I often get asked what the secret to success is. And I say, I don't know the answer. I'm not going to profess to know the answer. But I can guarantee that you will find a lot of that answer in looking at someone's habits, looking at someone's daily routines. That will give you the clues to someone's secret to success. Absolutely. But I'm slightly disappointed you aren't giving the entire secret to success away today. That's the only reason you're on the show. So Simon, then for someone who is perhaps right at the start of their journey, they know they want something different. They know they want to be doing something that impacts people more. Mm. Where do they start? What would your, your, your parting advice be to them? Sure. Number one thing, upgrade your environment. You know, the quickest way, literally the quickest way to succeed in any area of your life or business is to optimize your environment, change your environment, make it better. Because we, whether we realize it or not, we are the product of our environment. Think of it this way. If you surround yourself with five of the healthiest friends you know, guess what? I guarantee in no time, you'll be the sixth. If you surround yourself with five millionaire friends, guaranteed in no time, you'll be the sixth. If you want to move from being an employee to an entrepreneur, hang around with five successful entrepreneurs. Again, in no time, you'll be the sixth. That is the power of environment. It shapes your thinking. It turns invisible to the visible quicker than you imagine. And rather than draining you, if you create an environment that energizes you, you will be pulled forward far quicker than you ever imagined. I remember when I joined my very first mastermind years ago. Before, I'd only read about the concept in Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And when I went to my first mastermind, keep in mind, at this time, I was literally just starting my business. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was still an employee. I was starting this business on the side, and I decided to go along to this mastermind. 
And at the beginning of this session, all of us had to introduce ourselves. We were sitting around a table, around 10 of us, and one by one, each of us had to introduce ourselves. And as I listened to the first couple of people give their introduction, I was blown away. I mean, you had someone who had just quit being a lawyer to start a new tech startup business that has now gone on to be a billion-dollar company. You had someone who just flew back from Los Angeles after winning a book award. And I'm sitting there inside my head, scratching as to what I'm going to say to introduce myself. My palms started to feel sweaty because I felt like the dumbest person in that room. Fortunately, they didn't get around to me because three people before me, the facilitator said, I'm afraid we're going to have to pause and we'll come back to you last three in the next meeting we have. Now, I share that because two things. One, the speed of my progress in the following weeks and months was incredible. My vision had gone from galactic to astronomical. I mean, it literally blown far higher than I could ever imagine. But second, it taught me that unless you feel like you are the dumbest person in the room, you can't learn much. If you're the most ambitious, the smartest person in the room, how much space do you have to grow? You don't and who's guiding you? Who's influencing you if you think you know everything? Exactly. Exactly. So that really showed me the power of environment. And now environment isn't necessarily just who you hang out with and who you spend time with physically or virtually today. It is also the books you read, what you watch, what you listen to, who you follow on social media, your physical environment. You know, one of the easiest things you can do is Choose an environment that will stimulate your imagination, that will stimulate your motivation, that will energize you to plan your week. When I was planning my week early on, I would go to places like the Ritz, some of the most beautiful hotel lobbies in London, and plan my week because being in that surrounding, immersed in that sort of environment, motivated me to no end. Mm, Some great advice there. Thank you so much for coming on today, Simon. What's the best place for people to come and find you? Fantastic. So if people want to learn more about my work, then I suggest checking me out on social media. I'm on all the major platforms. So if video is your thing, do hop on to YouTube. I'm also on LinkedIn and on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at Simon Alexander O. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope those of you listening, that this has given you some food for thought. Those big visions that you have, they're there for a reason and they don't happen by accident. They happen because you decide you believe in yourself enough to take action and then Mm. actually take that action, no matter how small. Don't forget how much of a miracle you are. The fact that you are alive today is a miracle. You woke up today. Many people haven't. You know, we talk about how many of us wish we would win the lottery one day. Don't forget, you have won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. Question is, what are you going to do with this winning ticket of yours? And there we go. Guys, you've got to do something. Go out and live your life because it's way too short. And on that note, we will leave you today. Thanks for joining us, Simon. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.